Shalom brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to our first series called 20th Century of Controversial, where we will discuss some controversial topics in the Christian community. Now our aim is to stay biblically sound, rooted in the truth of what scripture teaches regarding each topic. Now our first topic is sipping saints, meaning Christians drinking alcohol. Now alcohol is probably one of the most controversial topics among the Christian community today as it is also not a very popular topic being preached on or that you will hear in the pulpit. It's rather a sensitive topic as many have their own opinions regarding the use of alcohol. But as I always mention, it's not about us, about our opinions, but what does God say in His Word and what is the truth? My name is Philip Mulder and I want to introduce you to our co-host Chris van Niekerk who is also the founder of CWTLM which is Christ the Way, Truth and Life Ministry. Chris will join us in this series as we discuss these topics. Now welcome Chris, can you tell us what does scripture teach and say about alcohol? Philip, well that's an interesting question. Um, I think you know one of the, the key things that we must understand about the Bible is that there are various words that describe alcohol. Um, there are also words that describe normal juice um, and, and if, we, if we differentiate, there, need, there needs to be a differentiation between what type of alcohol the Bible refers to. So the Bible talks mostly about wine and then it talks about strong drink. So those are the two words that are trans, or that, that the words used in Hebrew are translated with. And, and it is important to go and see what the Bible actually says about it. You know, so if you look at the first time that fermented wine is actually mentioned in the Bible, there's a negative condition regarding that. And we see that in Genesis 9, verse 21 to 25, where Noah was drunk and Ham dishonored his father. And, and that's the first time we have this whole scenario with regards to alcohol um, in, or strong drink or um, fermented um, uh, drinks or wine in the Bible. Now, there are various warnings against the use of fermented wine or other drinks, and you can go through the Bible, and you know, Genesis 19, Proverbs 23, Proverbs 31, there's Isaiah 28, Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah 51, Ephesians 5, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 2, 1 Peter 4, and various other scriptures that actually tells us and warns us against the use of alcohol or alcoholic drinks. Um, so there's a, there's a very important thing with regards to that. I think the distinction that we need to make is that there are three key words in the Bible that describes wine or, let's call it grape juice, or juice, or strong drink. So the, the three words that are used, there are two um, Hebrew words that are used. The two Hebrew words is yayin and, and shakar. Those are the two words that are used in Hebrew the most. And then there's a word in Greek that is used the most, which is oinos. There is another word that is used, which is a glucose, but glucose is only used once um, in the New Testament. So everywhere else, it normally refers to oinos. Now, if I just take a, a brief moment to explain these words to you. So yayin originates from the word yana, and that word yana means to press or to squeeze. So it is the pressing of the grape to, to gain juice from the grapes. The word shakar is also, the root word for shakar is the word shakar. And that means to give to drink or to water something. So if you water your garden, you would say, I shakar my garden. Or to saturate. 
Um, so, and, and if, if you look at those meanings, it is quite interesting to see that it is not specific with regards to alcoholic drinks. It is just a word, word that, that describes a form of juice. It could mean fermented or it could mean unfermented using the same word. And that is the key thing that we must understand. And mostly in the Bible, the same word is used for wine as is used for grape juice. And the same with shakar. Now, the difference between yayan and shakar, yayan always refers to grapes. Shakar always refers to anything else. Normally a palm drink, it was a sweet palm drink, or anything else but grapes. Now, if you look at shakar, the original meaning for the word shakar, which is translated with strong drink in the Bible, mostly means delightful or sweet. And that is where the word sugar comes from. And, and it is an unfermented sweet drink. So, so there's a lot of confusion in the translation in the Bible um, with regards, and specifically in modern Christianity, with regards to is it, is it referring to alcoholic um, drinks or is it referring to the pure grape juice? Now, the Greek word that is used is the word oinos. Oinos is pure grape juice and it's unfermented grape juice or it can be fermented grape juice as well. So the same word is used both for fermented and unfermented um, grape juice. There's a, just, just as a matter of interest, there's a, an interesting, there are two very strange scriptures in the Bible, if we go, just go back to the word, that sounds completely contradictory to, to what God is actually telling us. And the first scripture is in Leviticus 10 verse 8 to 9. And it says to us, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine, and that word is yayan, nor strong drink, that word is shikar, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. Now, this is an interesting thing. It says that if you drink strong drink or alcoholic beverages and you go in the temple, there's a possibility that you could die. Um, and, it, and then he says, it shall be a statute for everyone, or, for, or not for everyone, forever, throughout your generations. Now, that sounds incredible. So, that is a command that states that we should not drink. Let me just refer back to the New Testament. In Revelation 1 verse 6, Jesus, or Yeshua, says to us something very clear. He says this. He says that He has called us as kings and priests for His God. Now, if we are kings and priests, then the same instruction that God gave to Aaron and to his sons who were the priests refers to us. And, and therefore, when we read Leviticus 10 verse 8 to 9, it, the same implication to us as it was to Aaron and the priest. But the contradictory thing that sounds contradictory, and let me just explain this, is in Deuteronomy 14 verse 26. Now in, in Deuteronomy 20, 14 verse 26 it says, And thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusts after. When he talks about this money, this had to do with the tithing. And if you could not get to the temple to present your tithe to our Father, he says you can use it for something else. So, he says you can use it for everything that your heart desires or your soul desires. The word lusts um, that is used here is a, is a bit, uh, you know, um, I, I think um, strongly used because it actually means what your heart desires. He says you can use it for oxen or for sheep or for wine, yayan, or for strong drink, shakar, or for whatever thou soul desires and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God and thou shalt rejoice thou and thine household. Two important things here. The first thing that is important is it is before God. God has just told us that if you appear before Him, you are not to use any strong drink or any alcohol. So what does this mean? The same words are used here. So is God saying that we are allowed to drink alcohol? 
or does this mean something else? And why would God say no in the first place and yes later on? And then the reason for this is we need to understand the context of what, it, what is said. And what he is referring to here, um, he says that, that we can spend that money on yayan, which is pure grape juice, or shikar, which is a sweet drink. Nothing to do with alcohol at all. Um, but I think the problem that we see is that, you know, modern Christians would like to take this verse and says, you see, God says we're allowed to drink alcohol. And that is not the case in, 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 this, in these verses. Thank you, Chris. And this is so important for us as brothers and sisters to really study the scriptures within the context of what it was written, to understand the words and the meaning of the words. But this brings me also to our next question. Does the Bible then teach moderation or total abstinence? Well, the Bible teaches total abstinence. And I think what I would like to do, um, you know, there are very verses. The, the first one that comes to mind um, is Habakkuk 2 verse 15, where he says, Woe unto him that gives his neighbor you know, anything to drink. Now, that is an important scripture to us. If he says, we're not even allowed to give our neighbors anything to drink, why would he allow us to drink anything? That's the first one. The second one that is important is in 1 Timothy 3, where um, he talks about the bishop. And, and when you talk about a bishop, a bishop means it is somebody with authority, somebody standing in godly authority. And then he says that somebody in godly authority should not be uh, use any wine. Um, there are some other versions that says should not use, you know, should not be a drinker. Um, but it actually refers to the wine. So that is important to us to understand. And therefore, you know, that is one of the reasons why, why I don't drink any alcohol. Uh, I haven't drunk alcohol since my conversion uh, in 2006. Um, and that was very important to me. And it, it happened, um, you know, when, when our father spoke to me directly um, and, and showed me that through alcohol, I lose my authority. And that was very important to me, so that's why I don't drink at all. The, the other thing that is important, you know, when, when these words are used, whether it is yayan or specifically in the Greek when oinos is used, there are three words that are used with the word that will indicate that it, it refers to pure grape juice. And those three words are the word new, so talk, if it talks about new wine or new oinos, if it talks about good wine or good oinos, or if it talks about best wine or the best oinos. It actually refers to pure grape juice and not to fermented juice. And that is, that is very important to us. So, so I had a bit of a problem with, this, you know, with, with this, these words because I understood what our father wanted to tell me with regards to Yayan, with Shakar, um, with Oinos and some of the other words. And, and through my whole process of investigating this, my research that I did with regards to this, something stuck, got stuck in my mind. And the question that I asked myself is, if this refers to, to grape juice in most cases, why did the King James Version use the word wine in almost every case? Every time that the word yayan is used, or the word oinos is used, you know, whether it is in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the King James refers to wine. Now, I'm, uh, I think I was very lucky. I, I received an old dictionary from my father, um, and this dictionary dates from 1947. And uh, it is the it is the practical practical standard dictionary by um, Funk and Wagnalls, and um, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, just go look in your dictionary. Now now at first I thought look in the dictionary. I thought I should look in the Oxford, and the Holy Spirit guided me to this 1946 Funk and Wagnalls um, practical standard dictionary, 
And when I opened it to the word wine, this is what's, what the first point under wine is, the definition of wine. It says, the fermented juice of the grape, in more extended use, the expressed juice of the grape, fermented or unfermented. And what is interesting to me here is that the King James, when it talks about wine, refers to fermented as well as unfermented wine. So it refers to wine in the same way that we know wine with alcohol in it, but it also refers to grape juice. And that is a very clear distinction um, that I believe is given to us to understand why that is used. Now, if you go and look at some older documents and older um, books uh, describing the word wine, in, 19, in 1759, the New Universal English Dictionary of Words and Arts and Science by Nathan Bailey mentions the following about, about wine. It says, natural wine is such as it comes from the grape, without any mixture or sophistication. Well, that is pure grape juice. It says, adulterated wine is that wherein some drug is added to give it strength, fitness, flavor, briskness, or some other, quali other qualification. In other words, if it talks about adulterated wine, it could be fermented wine, which is, which is then alcohol. But wine, in its natural form, actually describes pure grape juice. And then in 1879, the Analytical Concordance uh, to the Bible by Robert Young also uses the word shakar, and it says, a sweet drink what saturates or intoxicate. So again, we see this meaning that it could mean pure juice or it could mean fermented juice, which, which contains alcohol. As we can see in the modern Christian society, many Christians believe that drinking in moderation is not a sin. And they're starting to compromising the gospel, and then they will start to quote certain scriptures. And it's even with the leaders inside the churches, they also teach that it's a gift from God, and they will start to quote certain scriptures. And I want to use one of them. The one they use is Psalm 104, verse 14 to 15, and I'm reading here for you. It says, He causeth the grass to grow for the kettle, and the herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man. And how do we respond to this kind of scriptures that sounds contradictory when we read it? Okay, so, so that's an interesting thing. We all automatically assume that when the word wine is used, it refers to an alcoholic drink. But that's not the case. Even though it uses the same word, it uses yoyan, it can refer to pure grape juice. Now, if we need to understand that the, that the, the main, if I can call it the main soft drink that they had back in those days, anything other than water that they drank, was grape juice. And, and there were different ways of keeping the, the grape juice. You know, they could boil it down to a syrup, then add water. But if you had pure grape juice that comes from the, the grape itself, um, fresh grape juice, that also delighted people to drink the fresh, the fresh grape juice. So that, you know, when we read that verse in the Psalms, it does not necessarily refer to, to alco an alcoholic drink or fermented wine. It could just mean that it is juice that, that um, delights us. Another verse Christians use to support the moderation of drinking is 1 Timothy 5.23, which says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Okay, so that is also an interesting one. Um, again, the word that is used there is the word oinos. And if you go and look at the word oinos, as I've mentioned already, it could mean fermented or unfermented wine. Um, sometimes we don't get the true meaning of the word just by reading the Bible. And it is sometimes necessary to go and look at first century 
documents that's extra biblical that's got you know that has nothing to do with the Bible, and there's a medical document um, from the first century that describes different um, medication for different illnesses, and one of the the, the things that is that is mentioned there is that pure fresh grape juice must be used for stomach ailments. So when Paul writes to Timothy and he says to them, don't just drink water, but drink oinos, he actually referring to that medication that everybody was aware of, which was pure grape juice to actually help for, for a, a, a bad stomach. The last verse I want to share is Ecclesiastes 9 verse 7, which says, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepts thy works. Exactly. And, and it comes back to exactly the same thing. You know, when the word yayan is used, and as I mentioned, the King James, when the King James uses the word wine, it does not always refer to fermented um, juice. And, and that is something that we need to understand. It is something that, and, and I think we are trying, um, because of our own selfish desires, we are trying to read certain things into the Bible that is not really there. One of the key things that we need to understand with regards to the, you know, the biblical context is that we need to understand the context of what the word is used in. In other words, when it is something bad is mentioned about it, it always refers to alcoholic beverage. When something good is mentioned about the same word, it always refers to the fresh juice of that word. You know, if I can just um, carry on with, with, you know, where I stopped earlier, or, you know, uh, with regards to the explanation of the words. 1905, there was, there's a book called the Popular and Critical Bible Encyclopedia. And it refers to, and it refers specifically to strong drink, as is mentioned in the Bible. It says strong drink, or the word shakar, the meaning of that, number one, is sweet white or syrup. Shakar... Um, luscious saccharine drink or sweet syrup, especially sugar or honey of dates or the palm tree. Nothing to do with an alcoholic beverage. It, and then it says the second meaning of that, it is date or palm wine, and date or palm wine in its fresh and unfermented state. Again, we see that the same word in extra-biblical um, explanations means that it is not necessarily alcoholic beverage, but it can also be um, just pure juice. Now, you know, various extra-biblical documents confirm that yayin and oinus can refer to both fermented as well as unfermented grape juice. Now, one example, Aristotle, um, and Aristotle lived from 348 to 322 BC, and he wrote a book, Meteorologica uh, is, is the name of the book, and it says, for some kind of wine, oinus, for example, must, uh, must, uh, must is, a, is, is a word for sweet, sweet uh, grape or grape juice, uh, he also used the word glucose, solidify when boiled. And he is explaining that what you do is you take the pure grape juice and you boil it down to a syrup and then it solidifies. Now, in order to get it to a drinkable process, we just add water to it and we can drink it. I now want to address a very important question that many might ask and even that I had years ago, even when the Holy Spirit convicted me to sustain completely from alcohol. Now the question is, does drinking alcohol influence our authority we have in Yeshua? We know Yeshua said that He gave us authority over the power of darkness. Now does drinking alcohol going to affect that authority that He gave us? Absolutely. All you need to do is you just go and read 1 Timothy 3. 
And as I mentioned before, if we read 1 Timothy 3 and it talks about the bishop, somebody in authority, it says that that person cannot be a drinker, cannot drink wine, or cannot drink alcoholic wine. And the reason for that is because it takes away our authority. And, and, and throughout the Bible, every time that it warns us about certain things, we can see that it has to do with the authority that our Father has given us, or that Yeshua has given us, and therefore we should not be drinking any wine if we want to live in godly authority on earth. My last question. Now, why are Christians so stubborn and ignorant after they've received the truth about what Scripture says about alcohol? That's a good question, uh, Philip. Um, I think the key thing there is um, it's about transformation. Because when we receive the truth, transformation needs to take place. A lot of people is afraid of transformation because the moment that we transform into what our Father wants us to be, and we stop drinking alcohol, and we stop using these things, then the first question that comes to mind is, what would my friends say, or what would my family say if this happens? Um, and it's not about that. It's not about what, what man says, it is about what our Father says. And therefore, we need to be um, obedient to the Word of God, not to men. And if we read, go and read uh, John 2, verse 9 to 10, there's an interesting scripture that says, um, you know, Yeshua changes the water into wine, and they present it to the, the ruler of the feast. And then the word says from verse 9, it says, When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. Now this is interesting. And that good is also a word which is in Greek, it is the word kados. And it means excellent or genuine or morally good. The moment you use that word with the word wine, it does not refer to fermented wine or fermented grape juice. It says, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. And this again refers. So when Yeshua made or Jesus made the wine at the wedding in Cana, that is definitely, um, it refers to, to grape juice. You see, the thing that we need to understand is Yeshua was without sin. He warned us not to sin. So why would he manufacture a product that will allow people to sin? And I think that is the, the true or the important thing to me um, in looking at this whole thing about wine is that it is, it is not good for, for the children of God who wants to live in godly authority here on earth to actually make use of any of them. Thank you, Chris, for this awesome information of what Scripture teaches. Now, brothers and sisters, as we come to a conclusion, are you willing to give up your own opinions for the will of God and for what is written in His living word? That is the question all of us have to ask. Now, my question I had was, am I willing to give up my godly authority I received graciously from Christ to walk in the promise of His word and to walk as Yeshua? No, of course not. Brothers and sisters, drinking is not a case of interpretation, but a case of obedience to His Word. Now, I hope this blessed you, and may you search out the Scriptures for yourself, and may His Holy Spirit, His Ruach HaKodesh, guide you in the truth about what is written.